0: <clears throat> we've had a, adjust me there a little bit there Al. we've had a, a, a little a big thing happen in the Franklin family and <clears throat> so uh, just bear with us today uh, last Saturday not yesterday but last Saturday we were at a wonderful play of our grandkids how many of y'all parents love to go see your kids and grandkids at a play well, myself and I was sitting behind Mike Hamner and we were just sitting there enjoying because he has, we had something in common and that is our grandkids are the same, at least on Josh's side. Mike Hamner is Ashley's dad. Yesterday I stood and watched his lifeless body in the ER of where he went home to be with Jesus. He's only a couple of couple years older than I am. And uh, I was looking at that, and death became a real reality to me. It's one thing to describe and talk to you about death, and we're going to be dealing and focusing in on the death of Jesus today. But when it's a loved one, when it's one of your grandchild's G-pop, it's a little bit different. But one thing is for sure just as Mike went home yesterday, man, was he ever a believer. Did he ever not believe in love Jesus? He decided before he left which side of the center of the cross that he was going to live. You see, today I want to talk to you on the subject, which side of the cross are you on? Mike made a definite stand. He knew where he stood even when others maybe didn't stand on the right side. The question is, are you on the wrong side or are you on the right side of the cross that Jesus died on, on Calvary's brow? Luke 23, verse 26 and 27, as they led Jesus away, Simon Cyrene, who was coming in from the country, just then was forced to follow Jesus and carry his cross. I thought that was interesting because in John 19, it says that Jesus started out carrying his cross after the scourging and, and after the beating and, and all of the things. But we know that Jesus was beat beyond recognition, and he had lost a lot of blood, and he needed help. And so, Simon helped him. In Luke 23, 32, the Bible says, two others, both criminals, will let out to be executed with Jesus. Think about that. Between our say, or on the other side of our Savior, were two thieves, two criminals. Finally, they came to the place, the Bible says, called the skull. And all three were crucified Jesus in the center cross, and two criminals on either side. The cross is a universal symbol. Some of you wore the cross maybe in here around your neck. Thought it was interesting, and all I did was pick up the Hunger Bible Dictionary and read about the cross. Did you know that the cross was a symbol prior to Christ of basically persecution? And then I got to reading, and it said that the cross was a heathen symbol. And then I read where the cross was used for many gods as a sign, a symbol The Bible teaches, though, when Jesus died on the cross, he made the cross for you and I a symbol of freedom, a symbol of being set free from sin. It became a holy cross, but it wasn't a holy cross prior to the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. Today, we're going to talk about the old rugged cross. Now, I agree that the empty tomb is the foundation of Christianity, but the focus of the cross is his death. You see, Jesus went there voluntarily. He went there because you and I had a need, and he was the only one that could meet it. You and I had a serious, sinful condition. When we think about the place called Calvary, we think about a hill far away, and in our minds, I picture, like so often do, the three crosses. The old hymn goes, on a hill far away stood an old rugged cross, the emblem of suffering and shame. And I love that old cross where the dearest and best for a world of lost sinners was slain. So I'll cherish the old rugged cross, till all my trophies at last I lay down, I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it some day for a crown. Oh, that the old rugged cross, so despised by the world, has a, has a wondrous attraction to me, for the dear Lamb of God left his glory from above to bear it to dark Calvary, so I'll cherish the old rugged cross till my trophies at last I lay down. I will cling to the old rugged cross and exchange it someday for a crown. On that old rugged cross, stained with the blood so divine, a wondrous beauty I see. For the dear Lamb of God left His glory from above. And I added these words at the end to redeem you and me for all eternity. When I looked at that Body that one Saturday prior we were enjoying at Newton High a play that our hearts were leaping because that was our grandchild on the stage. And then last night to talk to the grandchild with tears rolling down her face, saying, My G-Paw is gone. And I looked at her and I said, you know what, it's true. Just as my dad, my grandparents, many of your dads, many of your grandparents, they're gone. But if they know Jesus, if they've received the gift of salvation, we're all going to be together again with Jesus in heaven. Matthew 26, 36, and 44 said, Then Jesus brought the disciples to the olive grove called Gethsemane. Then Jesus said, Sit right here while I go ahead to pray. He took Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, James and John, and Jesus began to be filled with anguish and deep distress. Jesus told them, My soul is crushed with grief to the point of death. He said, stay here and watch and pray. They couldn't sit one hour. And what happened to them? The Bible says they fell asleep. Now, this don't cost you nothing, but I don't preach an hour, and I watch people all the time go to sleep. Somebody leaned over and said, you need to wake him up. He said, I didn't put him to sleep. <laughs> it was the preacher. <laughs> I try to preach and pray and have God so in tune that, that you don't go to sleep. But that's the worst place to be if you've got to go to sleep in a church while a preacher's preaching and all of a sudden says, Woo, glory! Man, that'll wear you out. It'll give you a crick in your neck. <laughs> Luke twenty two forty four. Jesus prayed with great agony of spirit that the Bible says that from his head fell sweat, drops like great drops of blood. You see, around the Garden of Gethsemane was a place of pressure depicted by anguish and, and great, great uh, intensity. Why? Because Jesus knew what was fixing to happen. He knew he was fixing to suffer physically. He knew he was fixing to die. He knew he was fixing to have all of the sins of the world laid on his shoulders. A person who was sinless, who knew no sin, and knows no sin even today. At age 33, Jesus was condemned to the death penalty. The crucifixion was one of the worst death experiences known to man. In Luke 23, 41, Pilate turned to the leading priest and said to to them in the council before he passed judgment, I find no wrong in him. You want to know why? Because there was no wrong in Jesus. The wrong, if anybody could say was wrong, is he took your wrong on him so that we could be free. When the hammer came down to drive the six to eight inches long spikes through his wrist and through both feet into the arches into the wooden beams. Jesus was on the cross some 3 hours with suffering and pain for you and me. The nail hammered gripped the heart of his mother Mary. Jesus was beaten to the point that his flesh and body was unrecognizable. The beating was so horrific. His face was torn. His beard was ripped from his face. And crown of thorns of over two or three inches long were forced on his head. It would have killed the average man just of the torture that he went through. What did he do that for? For you and me. That day, according to verse 33, they took him to a hill a place called Calvary. There, three crosses were prepared. Three men died on Calvary's brow, the place of the skull that day. One in the middle was the cross of redemption. You see, Jesus died to redeem us, to free us from the cross of sin it is observed that jesus did not die in a cathedral between two candles he died on a cross between two criminals two thieves three men died on that cross that day one was a benefactor one was a blasphemer one was a believer one was the savior one was a sinner one was a saint one died Two for sin, one died in sin, and one died to sin. One died and went home, one died and went to hell, and one died and went to paradise, of which we know is heaven. The fact that a holy Savior died between two hopeless sinners seems like a coincidence, but it wasn't. According to Isaiah 53, verse 12, the Bible says, And he was numbered with transgressors, and he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. It was was an appointment that Jesus and the sinners would meet Jesus on the cross. Each one of you have an appointment, and that appointment is to meet Jesus. When you meet him, You have a decision. You will either receive the free gift of salvation or you'll reject it. There's not any other decision to be made. Today, you've either made the decision to accept and to receive and to repent or you sit here listening to a message that will condemn you to hell itself if you don't receive Jesus before it's eternally too late. One died on the right side. One died on the wrong side. It's a precious word. It's a beloved word. It's a cherished word. Jesus is that word. Oh, that rugged cross so despised by the world has a wondrous attraction for me. For the dear Lamb of God left his glory from above to bear it to dark Calvary. You see, the place of Calvary was a symbol of freedom. I like how Galatians, and Paul put it in Galatians 5, 1, which says, Stand fast, therefore, in the liberty, wherewith Jesus has made us free. And not to be entangled again with the yoke of bondage or the bondage of the law. You see, we're under the spirit of God's grace. Unmerited favor with God. I can, if I want to. I can put a cross around my neck, and I don't care what you say. I don't care what that cross meant prior to Jesus dying on the cross because that cross now is a symbol of salvation. That cross now is a symbol of holiness. But I got news for you. That cross cost Jesus his life. So it wasn't just a piece of ornament. It was an old rugged tree where he bled and died for you and me. You see, the the cross of redemption is where Jesus hung. It, It was the cross where he died not with sin on him or sin in him, but he died where sin, all sin, was on him. The cross divides everyone in this auditorium today, this morning. You're either on the side of the cross that is the right side or you're on the rejecting side. You're You're on the repentant side or you're on the wrong side. Which side are you on? You need to be asked that question because it's a wrong question way too late to ask what I saw yesterday of a man laying in the ER that is no longer there. You see, once that question is asked then, it's eternally too late. But if you can be asked that question now, while you're still alive, and you can make a choice, it's a good question. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. On Wednesday night, few of us have been enjoying videos of the rapture, tribulation, the millennium. We've been in soon to hear the new heaven and new earth. But Tony Evans. And the series shared something that grabbed me. He said that when you and I die, and and, and I can't explain it, I just can tell you because I I know it's true. When Moses died, he received one. When Elijah was in heaven, he received one. When Mike died yesterday, he received one. It was a noticeable heavenly body. They knew who Moses was at Mount of Transfiguration. But once we receive our glorified body, after the catching of the way of the church in 1 Thessalonians 4, the Bible says there's going to be, at that point, a resurrection. And that our old bodies and our bodies that are laid in the grave will be resurrected and made into a glorified body. You know what that means? That means your body be perfect, but there's one body in heaven that will always carry imperfections. you know who that is? It's Jesus. The Bible says that you and I will see scars on his hands and his feet, and we'll see the sword that was pierced from his side in his glorified body, and we'll be perfect. There was a mother who had terribly disfigured hands. And it, it was okay when the her daughter was small, but as her daughter grew older, she became a teenager. And I don't know why it is, but teenagers, when they look at their parents, they, real, they, they, they think we were weird now. You know, when you're young and your kids are small, they don't see anything weird, do they? But when you get your dads and your mamas get older, all of a sudden, everything's weird. Well, this mama had disfigured hands. And she was so embarrassed with her mother's disfigured hands. When she'd come and get her to school, she said, Mama, you can pick me up, but don't come up near the school. She was embarrassed because her mama's hands were so ugly. Well, one day she finally s- sat down and she said, Mom, I got to know, why are your hands so ugly? messed up, she said, well, honey, I was going to, I hoped it had come to this day that where you had asked me, and she said, when you were but a child, a small infant, I was hanging up clothes on the clothesline, and I turned around, and the house was engulfed in flames. Immediately, without thinking, I ran to the house, I grabbed you out of the cradle, and when I did, my hands were burnt to a crisp. And I carried you to safety, but it left me with deformed and twisted hands. And all of a sudden, the little girl, or the teenage girl, took her mama's hands, and then she began to kiss them and said, Mama, those hands are so beautiful. So beautiful. Thank you, Mama. You see, when we get to heaven, Jesus is going to show us his hands. He's going to show us his side. He's going to show us his feet. And he did that because he loves you. He rescued. He freed you from the bondage and the captivity of sin. That is what the cross of redemption stands for. Then second of all is the cross of repentance. You see, both men were thieves. Both men were guilty. Both deserved to die. That was their sentence. They got to a discussion on the cross. and one, one of the men on the wrong side said, if you be Jesus and you're who you say you are, and he began to rail Jesus, and then all of a sudden, the man on the cross said this. As he looked to the other guy, what's wrong with you? Don't you know we're all fixing to die here? Don't you know that this man in the middle has done nothing wrong? Don't you know that he's innocent and we are guilty as charged? He said, we're fixing to meet our creator. What are you doing? Then he turned. He said, Jesus, we deserve what we're getting. But you, would you please remember me? When you come into your kingdom, and what did Jesus say? Today, thou wilt be with me in paradise, which is heaven. You see, this man who was saved, forgiven, and cleansed went to heaven. And he went to be where the Lord was going. You know what he didn't do? He didn't have a chance to work in the church. He didn't have a chance to be an usher and take up the the offering. He didn't have a chance to sweep the floors in the temple. He definitely didn't have a chance to be water baptized. He didn't have chance, chance to, to prove that he heard the Word of God. But who was the Word of God? It was Jesus. Believe me, he heard the Word. Evidently, the Word was implanted in his life. because the Bible says, as Jesus turned to him and said, you'll be with me today. You know, The Bible says we're not saved by what we've done. We're saved by what Jesus did. And through the power of his cross and the power of his blood, we become his child. If what? If we repent and receive him. Ephesians 2, 8, 9 says, For by grace are you saved through faith. It's not of your works, lest any man should boast. It is a gift of God. Guess what? If I brought in the house today a gift, and I didn't, I could start, but uh, of $100 bills, and thank you for coming to church on Easter, and I'll give you $150 if you come back next. <laughs> if I give you $100, that gift would only be as good if you took it. But if you didn't take the hundred dollars, it wouldn't be a gift, would it? You see, Jesus gift free. It cost him everything so that you could receive something that you paid nothing for. Just accept it, receive it, make it a part of who you are. Well, the difference of the cross was the man in the middle. The difference is Jesus. My prayer is that you pray the same prayer. I hear a lot of people say, well, did he pray? Did he pray the paragraph we've been taught? Did did he say the sinner's prayer? Did he say it like I said it? Did he cry? I imagine he did a lot of stuff with nails driven through him. Let me just tell you what he said. Verse 42. You ought to highlight this in your Bible. Remember me, Jesus. Remember me when you come into your kingdom. Boy, that sounds sophisticated, don't it? That sounds like a page of of repentance, don't it? No, but he meant it. He meant it. And Jesus knew he meant it. And then Jesus said, remember me? Or he said, today you'll be with me in paradise. That's the cross of repentance. And then thirdly, the cross of, of rejection. The thief on the cross, he rejected Jesus, but he made an appeal. In verse 39, if thou be the Christ, then come down from the cross, save yourself, and save me. How many of us only pray when we get in trouble? How many of us only think about God when the police pull us over? I have met people in in the ministry that because they were about to die, they made a deal, they thought, with God. It's called debt bed. I'm not going to call it repentance. I I know a lot of people in jail, God, if you'll just get me out of this cell, I'll serve you the rest of my life. (laughs) Yeah, right. Now, there are some in jail that get it right. But most of them just wanting to get out of a dilemma. If God will just deliver me, they're not worrying about deliverance. They're worrying about their, their dilemma. I hope you haven't come to Jesus because you're in a dilemma. Now, let me tell you something. Nothing wrong coming to Jesus. Just be serious with Jesus. And Jesus knows if you're serious. Some of you gotten in some hard situations. You cry out unto God to appeal to Jesus because you just got busted. Don't get me wrong. It's better to cry out unto him because at least he will listen. <laughs> There's some people who won't listen to you because you cried wolf so long. This man was only interested in being rescued. He wasn't interested in redemption. He wasn't interested about living for the Lord. He just wanted to live his own life. Three crosses stood on Calvary's hill, surrounded by a mob. Two crosses bored two dying thieves, and one was the Lamb of God. Two crosses bore two dying thieves who justly suffered shame. The one cross bore God's sacrifice, the lamb for the sinner's slain. One thief received the dying lamb, repented of his sin. The other thief refused to hear and did not enter in. Young little boy, mischievous, mischievous. I feel like I got a lot of little mischievous boys in the house when we were little. He decided that he was going to pull one on the smartest and wisest man in the village. So what he decided to do was to take a little bird and put it in his hand and go ask, sir, the old wise and smart, one of the village, is this bird alive, or is this bird dead? Now, he knew that this man was not going to get it right, because if he said that the bird was alive, he was going to crush it and kill it. But if he said if the bird was the opposite, (laughs) I forgot what I just said, (laughs) the same would be true. So he went to the man, he proposed the question, the man thought about it, and he said, Son, the choice is up to you. You see, it's not that Jesus. It's not that he doesn't have the scars in his hands and his feet and the scar in his side to prove what he did for you. It's not that one man on the cross, we will meet one day in paradise if that's not evidence of love. It's not that Jesus said, for God so loved the world, that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. God believes in eternity. God believes there's a choice. Did you think God would have sent his son to die for us sorry scoundrels if he didn't know? That that wasn't a way, the way? John 14, 6 says, I am the truth and the life. And no man comes to the Father except that he come by me. Jesus said in John 10, I am the door of salvation. You must come through me. Man, if you end up there and you don't understand, Romans 10, 9 says, if I confess with my mouth, your mouth Not your mind, your mouth, the Lord Jesus. And believe in my heart that God raised his son from the dead. I can be saved. For you see, with the the mouth confession is made unto salvation. With, With the heart man believeth unto righteousness. And then verse 13 said, for whosoever the thief on the cross shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Man, that's a promise. That's God's promise to you. So, ladies and gentlemen, when you leave here today and I get a call and I come to the emergency room and you're laying on the table, lifeless, I'm telling you, with all of the knowledge that I have of the Word of God. If you reject Jesus, you will find out what hell's all about. I don't care whether you believe in it or not. I'm not trying to push that today. Jesus teaches that stuff. We all want to believe that there's a heaven. I promise, if you accept the way of the thief on the cross that received Jesus... You will see all of us. We're going to see one another again one day. But the choice is up to you. May we pray. Father.